The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I'm very glad that you're with us, glad you're listening, and we've got another great program for you today. Thank you also for liking Spirit of Recovery on our Spirit of Recovery Facebook page and for posting your comments on there. That's great to hear from you and hear what's happening for you. So thanks for participating uh, with us here on Spirit of Recovery. Also, I want to thank you for letting your friends and the people in your recovery and your unity community and your friends and family know about us here on unityonlineradio.org. It's great to be broadcasting on the topic of recovery and spirituality. And uh, again, great to hear from you. Great to know that what we're doing here is making a difference for you in your life, that it's touching your heart, opening your mind, opening up some new ideas for you about recovery, and that you like it so much that you are sharing this with other people. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community with guests who are down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and innovative. My guests are always people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people, and they're bringing practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. Of course, you can listen live via your um, computer or smartphone, you can also go to Stitcher.com and download their app and search for Spirit of Recovery. And you can listen uh, on demand. We've got years' worth of wonderful podcasts, great archives with wonderful guests and topics. So just go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash Spirit of Recovery and you can listen anytime you want to. I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place so that if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're the family member or friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction, um, 
you're welcome here. Maybe as a family member, you may or may not be in your own recovery, but you know, there is recovery for family members and, um, uh, you may be in that process. Your loved one may or may not be in recovery, whatever your situation. We're glad you're here, glad you're interested, and you're welcome to uh, email in or call in a comment or question for my guest on our topic for the day. It's also possible that you're uh, somebody that's just curious about the process of recovery, and we're very glad that you're here, and you too are really welcome to participate in our discussions I want you to know also that if you would like to support financially um, Spirit of Recovery and also the other great programs on UnityOnlineRadio.org, you can do that. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone and you can make a one-time or an ongoing financial contribution and UnityOnlineRadio.org is a nonprofit endeavor, and so we're glad you're listening. And if you want to uh, support financially, that's wonderful and helpful. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity minister and also an addictions counselor. And in addition to that, I'm a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And 35 years ago almost, those relationships were a catalyst that got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And ever since that time, my walk has been an integration of unity and recovery principles. And that walk keeps richly transforming my life, and it keeps me growing. And so I'm grateful, and I'm grateful and delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you about spirituality and recovery and to hear what's happening for you in your spirituality and recovery walk. Our topic today is spirituality and vitality, making the connection. You know, recovery opens the door to new energy and vitality and creativity, It and that's really one and the same with our spiritual life. My guest today is Melinda Wood Allen, and uh, Melinda knows a lot about that, making that connection between spirituality and vitality. Melinda is a singer, songwriter, actress, choral director, and um, she's going to be sharing with us today her process, her creative process. She's going to be sharing with us her music and how that uh, reflects on her spiritual growth, her spiritual path, and how it reflects on that connection that she finds between her vitality and her spirituality. Melinda considers recovery principles a vital spiritual path right along with unity and new thought concepts and practices. Melinda sings in Unity and other New Thought churches, and she has been a music director in a Unity church in Unity in Fort Worth, and she shares her music with a variety of recovery groups. Melinda is an accomplished artist, and she performs in many genres, from musical theater to classical to jazz to gospel to folk, and she has even um, yodeled. And she was on a tour of the Michael Martin Murphy Band, and maybe she'll do that. For, I didn't ask her about that, but maybe she'll do that. <laughs> We'll see. She's laughing about this. Okay. but And she regularly performs um, in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex musical theater venues. And you can learn more about um, Melinda if you go to www.melindawoodallen, and that's wood, O-O-D, Allen, A-L-L-E-N.com, melindawoodallen.com, and you can learn more about her. So... Melinda, thank you so much for being my guest today. Well, thank you so much for asking me, Anna. I, I appreciate it. Glad you're on here. And um, 
Melinda is, uh, as I said, she's going to be sharing with us about her her own process and her growth process, and also about her, uh, and she'll share with her, us her music. And in some ways, it kind of follows a, bit, a little bit of a chronological order, and she'll be telling us about that in terms of her own spiritual growth path. So, Melinda, you do consider recovery principles a vital spiritual path right along with unity and, and uh, other new thought concepts. So why is that? What's so vital about this path? Of recovery. Well, that's that's absolutely true, and I think part of that um, is that I was brought up in a very fundamentalist church, and I don't think I would even have been ready for unity principles if I hadn't had some exposure to 12-step recovery before that time. The idea that we could have a God of our understanding and that I didn't have to accept a God that was given to me by someone else was um was life changing for me and then to find a unity church where i felt the freedom to worship that the god of my understanding in community that was a miracle to me and then to learn more about the unity principles i just think they complement each other so well because both paths are about taking ourselves out of the victim um path and putting ourselves in it's we're self-responsible we're self-accountable and god-dependent at the same time that's, that's what keeps me coming back <laughs> right that's wonderful that's a an incredible uh paradox isn't it i like how you put that about self-reliant and yet god-dependent tell yeah. us some more about that yeah. how does that work well it uh, not so much self-reliant as self-responsible is that um, I depend upon God, I depend upon spirit, I call upon the God of my understanding to guide and direct me. Um, I don't get very specific about my prayers, I have to say. I pray for highest good, I pray for, I pray to be led, I pray for intuitive guidance, I pray to be able to be loving and to be accepting and to be to notice the things in my life, the good things. Um, and I let God kind of, you know, have charge of the rest of that. I don't, I don't give orders when I, when I pray. And um, so I think then at the same time, then I take action based upon what my intuition and my guidance and the things that come to me during the day. Um, I assume if I ask for God to show me things, then the things I'm being shown are from God. And so I take action based on those things, and I am completely responsible for that action. Mm-hmm. Can't blame it on anybody else. <laughs> Don't want to give anybody else the, you know, I, I get to be accountable for what I do and yet depend on God for what I know. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting way to put it. I know that uh, you've one thing you uh, have said about your spirituality and that you like about it, and and related to what you're just saying, is that in a twelve step and or a unity uh, kind of spirituality, it's a sense that not all the answers have sort of already been found. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that was maybe the single most harmful thing that was, um, that happened to me in my, in my religion of origin was that I was told that it was dangerous to even ask the question. 
and the question had already been answered. And I love to live in the question. I love to be in the presence of the mystery and regard it as that and have the freedom and the courage to to ask the questions because the answers are always that's that's where the vitality comes in you know spirit is not inert and this world is not inert god is growing and changing this universe is growing and changing we are growing and changing we are all part of of something that is vital and alive it's not something that was written down a few thousand years ago and now it's this way forever we are on the move we're evolving mhm right that's really powerful what moved you uh from that religion of origin into this much more open and and vital understanding what was a catalyst for you you know there were several things my exposure to recovery my exposure to unity i was very new in unity and actually i was only there as a job <laughs> someone um someone recommended me to come in and sing for some services um for money and i did it and i was kind of like mm, seems kind of cool, but it's also kind of scary. Mm -hmm. But truthfully, in um, my mid-20s, when I became pregnant with my daughter, I had this revelation, and I I wasn't even to the point where I was showing it. I was just um, so in love with this being, not having any idea who it was who it was going to be, what its name was, anything about it. And I knew with absolute certainty that there was nothing this person could ever do that would make me say, well, you know, that's it. That was your last chance. I love you, but, you know, too bad. Now you're going to burn an eternal hellfire where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth, you know, and, mm-hmm. and on and on. And it occurred to me that if I can love my unknown child that much, how can it be possible that God could love me less? And I made a conscious choice that if God is love, then all of this hell and judgment is not the truth. And if the hell and judgment is the truth, I don't want that. I don't want to cooperate with that. Wow. <laughs> I'm, that that's not my choice. Mm-hmm. I know you have a song that is about longing. It sounds like that that's... Kind of what you're talking about is in that moment with your intuition with with your unborn daughter that you had something woke up in you, a choice and and maybe a longing. Would you tell us about your song and then maybe we can hear it? Um, yes, I am. Ta- uh, you know, from what we're saying, maybe the one that I originally said might not be the best. Um, I'm okay. thinking of the song "Pretending." All right. That is um, really about being a person in the world who, you know, my, my disease manifested itself by trying to please everyone, by trying to act the way I thought they wanted me to act to the point where I really had no idea what my personal preferences were. And I had to reach a place where I was willing to say, Even if you don't love me, this is who I am. And that's where that song, Pretending, comes from. So maybe we should start there. Okay, let's hear your song, Pretending, by my guest, Melinda Wood Allen.
And thank you. That was the song Pretending, written and performed by my guest, Melinda Wood Allen. Melinda, thank you for that. It really is a beautiful uh, expression of that of that longing to be ourselves and, and to know that we'll be accepted by other people and I and I believe by a higher power. Thank you so much. Yes, for thank you. Words. It's time now for our break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Our topic is spirituality and vitality, making the connection. And my guest is Melinda Wood Allen. You can learn more about her work at Melinda Wood Allen, and that's A-L-L-E-N dot com. Stay with us. We'll be right back on Spirit of Recovery. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. 
Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus and I'm your host. And our topic today is spirituality and vitality, making the connection. My guest is Melinda Wood Allen. And Melinda is a singer, a songwriter, an actress, a choral director. And uh, she's also in her process. She will soon be ordained as a new thought minister that I believe her ordination's coming in June, right? So that's exciting. Yes. And... Um, she is sharing with us about how recovery principles and new thought unity principles are an, a vital spiritual path. So, um, again, right before the break, Melinda, we heard your your music, wonderful music there, the song Pretending, and about that longing for to be oneself and to be accepted. And so um, before we get back into our conversation, I'm going to uh, invite our listeners into a brief moment, into the Serenity Minute, and we'll reflect on that idea of being ourselves. So I invite us all now to take a moment to relax, to feel that peaceful presence of your higher power around you, within you, to allow yourself to relax from the crown of your head, feeling that relaxation as it moves all the way through your body temple, and allow your mind and your heart to open and to relax, and share with me this constructive idea. Who I am is wonderful. My higher power loves me. Who I am is wonderful. My higher power loves me. And we take a moment now in the quiet. Friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute, and I trust that that was an opportunity for you to relax, to open, and to know that truly you are loved exactly as you are, and all is well. And so now I'm back to my conversation with my guest, Melinda Wood Allen, and our topic is spirituality and vitality, making the connection. So, Melinda, I know that um, you are uh, in recovery as a family member and um as a family member a lot of times the vitality and the creativity really gets cut off because um as family members who get obsessed with someone else's um behavior or their problems with um the disease of addiction family members can get pretty stressed out and pretty focused outside of themselves and pretty numb and, um, boy, the, the vitality seems to shut down. What was your experience, and how did you get reconnected to your vitality? Well, and I was raised by, um, my father was an alcoholic. He was also a very kind and gentle man when he was not drinking, but when he was drinking, he could be um, very, very belligerent and sometimes even violent. 
And um, I kind of learned early on how to walk on enough eggshells and keep everything smooth as as possible so that I could, you know, so that I would stay in favor and, you know, not have anybody mad at me and everybody think I was the good girl. And, and um, my identity kind of grew along with that, that if I'm not the good girl, if I don't do everything right all the time, I'm not lovable. I'm not worthy. And that had a huge impact on me as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult. And um, and I grew up and and ended up marrying an alcoholic too. Now he was not a violent alcoholic, but just the nicest, sweetest alcoholic you'd ever want to meet. Actually, my husband. And um, it, it's been interesting our journey of recovery. I have family members who have died from the disease, and I have very few family members who are in recovery from the disease. But what I had to learn is that I had my own disease that was making my life miserable. And I hear people with the disease of addiction talk about how, and it truly is, and I've seen it play out in in my family, in my loved ones, that this is a disease of life or death. Mm-hmm. And for the family members, I would say there are many ways to die. There, There was a living death that I was in for many years with depression and obsession and having truly no idea who I was, even to the point of I didn't know what my favorite flavor of ice cream was or what movie I wanted to watch because I was polling everyone else to see what they wanted. Mm-hmm. So recovery has been, um, you know, an act of coming out of that darkness into the light. It's been an act of coming out of fear and into courage. It's been an act, an act of coming out of um being a really good at trying to figure out what everybody else wants to getting good at seeing what it is that Melinda wants. That takes a lot of courage. It does. It does take a lot of courage. But, man, once you start and you start reaping the rewards a little bit at a time, and it's so helpful in recovery programs to see other people who are further along on the path than yourself and see the joy that they have in their lives. It's really an inspiration. And then when you start getting some of those stories under your belt where the ending comes out differently because your behavior was different, um, you gain more and more confidence that, hey, this is going to work. This is really going to work. It's working in other people's lives, and it could work in my life too. Right. Yeah, that's it's really powerful. That's amazing uh, truth that even uh, when the family member's behavior changes, uh, your life gets better. Yes. Even no matter what's happening around you, no matter what's happening, yes, that's a miracle. That's, it is a miracle. It is a miracle. Yep. Now I believe that again. You've got a song that uh, relates to this. Would you like to share about that, and we'll hear some of that? Sure. I wrote this. Um, I had been in a recovery program for quite a few years, but um, I, my sponsor and I laughed that I was in the remedial program. I I just could not really quite accept that as competent a person as I couldn't make things come out all right by the strength of my will. (laughs) And I could always see what other people needed to do. And even though I was in the process of recovery at this time, um, 
my I had a family member who was not in recovery, and this song was written as a as a please, 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 can't you see how dangerous this is and how much better life could be if we reach for something else? And the song is called Jump. All right, let's hear Jump. That was fly. Oh no, that was jump. Not fly. Jump. <laughs> yes. By my guest Melinda Wood Allen. Thank you. I love that. You really you really told it like it was. You got it you got it in there. You did. Well thank you. I uh, it was from a very, very true place and and that song was written pretty quickly. You know, some some of them are written and rewritten and rewritten and that one just came out of a really deep heart hurt place. 
and came out pretty much all together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did it change you to write that song? Uh, again, you know, when family members are in, in our active focus on somebody else, a lot of times we're not expressing ourselves. It's We're kind of bottling everything up. But So you, in this, you really express, as you say, some deep ideas and some deep feelings. What did that do for you? You know, I think it helped me. That's a really good question. It helped me get clearer on what was acceptable to me and what was not. And um, that without being able to control a family member, I could look at behavior and see, is this okay with me or is it not okay? And that I don't have to stick around or volunteer or show up for behavior that's not okay. And that doesn't mean that I don't get to keep loving the person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I kind of think that's what it did for me more than anything. Yeah, almost like a self-defining. Go ahead. Yeah, and it, it was a it was a a gift to me that I was I was able to play that song for my husband. He let me he he said it was okay if I share who it was. It was okay. for my husband, and it was probably another two and a half three years after that song was written before he got into recovery, and to see his feeling about the song before and now he proudly pay, plays it for people and says oh this is a song melinda wrote when i was being a real blank blank mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so so he loves it and it's been it's uh it's it's that's a very interesting thing and our journey together since his recovery with both of us in the program has been an amazing thing uh-huh yeah that's that's wonderful tell us something else that that you have done differently uh, because of your own recovery program as a family member. That's oh, wow. your, uh, I'm sure lots of things, but. Yeah, lots of things. Well, you know, I shared that my father was an alcoholic and um, long before, and he died of his disease. He died of cirrhosis. Mm, I'm sorry. And um, yeah, thank you. But several years before his death, I made my peace with him. I got really clear on the fact that what he had was a disease and that um, it was okay for me to love him and even that it was safe for me to love him as long as I had some boundaries. I didn't know anything about boundaries before recovery. Um, I had had counselors who said, you need some boundaries and who had given me books, you know, titled Boundaries and asked me to watch videotapes called (laughs) Boundaries. But mm-hmm. somehow I didn't get it. It wasn't until my recovery experience as healthy people started practicing healthy boundaries with me that I understood what that was. That a boundary is not what you tell someone else they can do. A boundary is, is something that you decide in yourself is okay or is not okay. And I got to the point with my dad that when he would start in on a subject matter that I knew would lead to anger and yelling and whatever, I just would say, Daddy, I'm not going to talk to you about that. I want us to have a good day. And when he kept on, I would initially leave the room, and if he followed me to the next room, I would get in my car and say, well, I love you, and I'll see you later, and drive away. It only took a couple of times before when he would start in on one of those subjects, and I would say, remember, I asked that we not talk about that, and he would say, oh, okay, you're right. And he would change the subject. Mm-hmm. 
that was groundbreaking for me that I got, it wasn't an either or, it wasn't a black and white, that I could love my dad and still have lots of things that I didn't want to discuss that weren't okay between us, um, subject matters that weren't okay or disagreements or different perceptions of history, let's say, but that did not have to color my day-to-day relationship with him. And as a consequence, when he died, we were so close. Mm. We were so close. And I was one of his caregivers. And um, and the, the grief that I have had for since his death, which was in 2012, has been a very clean grief, not laced with any regret, but just with love. Mm. That's a miracle. Mm-hmm. There was a time in my life when I thought I would probably never speak to my dad again. And for us to, to, for him to end his life with us having been really good friends with only forgiveness with, between us, um, was a miracle in my life. And those kinds of boundaries I can practice in the workplace. I can practice with my family. Just like, you know, nope, nothing against you. I don't have to get upset. No drama here, but I'm not going to do that. Right. I'm not going to show up for that. Mm-hmm. That's and probably the biggest thing. And learning what's my business and what's not. <laughs> it's been, uh-huh. You know, I used to think everybody was my business, that it made me a good person if I had an opinion on what everyone else should do and tried to help them do it. And um, luckily, I got into recovery before my daughter was fully grown, and I was much better able to navigate her teenage years because I had um, a program that I could use to parse out, wait a minute, what's really important here and what's not important, what battles are important to fight, and what is really up to her and what is something that a parent should um, get involved in. And I think that has made all the difference in my relationship with her. Even through the the hardest years of her teenage um, years, we still were loving with each other. And now that she's in her 20s, we hang out all the time. We just, we're great friends. I love that because, you know, what you're saying is that having boundaries, having a sense of self and self-definition really allows you to love people. And so, yes. sometimes that, that seems counterintuitive. It seems like, well, no, if I'm not all kind of bound up with somebody, then I'm not loving him. But that's not true, is it? It's not true. That, you, that was well said. I have the freedom to love fully when I'm not putting conditions on my love and when I'm not um, interfering in things that are truly not mine and wearing myself out and growing resentments because of them, then I'm able to love in a really clean, open way. Mhm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those both of those because that's that's really wonderful. And and those really are part and parcel of spirituality. It's it's that spirituality of connection with others. Tell us a little bit about that. How do you see those or do you as as spiritual aspects of spirituality, those relationships? Uh, well, very, very much so. The, you know, the idea um, that I got told early on is that God doesn't have grandchildren. <laughs> you know, I had this idea that somehow um, m- m- other people were dependent upon my relationship with God and me helping them and really releasing them, coming to a point of surrender. And I think that's the big word in, in my spirituality and in my recovery, to surrender to 
what is, to practice non-resistance, to trust in divine order. Um, to me, those things are all kind of the same thing. And the program has helped me do that, but also my spiritual path, learning that it is safe to surrender to a loving God because there is order in this universe, and I am a part of that order, and so is everyone else then I don't feel such a strong need to get in and get my grubby hands on things. Mm-hmm. Right, because you can trust a, a higher power is in charge. It's like um, that, that old saying is everybody's got a higher power that loves them and it's not me. And it's not me, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, the first time I heard that when I'm like, oh, really? Hmm. <laughs> that was one of those moments. That was me. Yeah, I thought, I thought I was responsible for all that. No, yeah, mm-hmm. so it's a it's a groundbreaker there, isn't it? It changes. It everything. sure is. It mm-hmm. sure is. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm still floored when I meet people who say, "Well, I never felt responsible for anybody else." I'm like, "Really? <laughs> I always felt responsible for everyone." And man, it's a relief not to be. Mm-hmm. And then I can be kind, which is different from always being nice. What's the difference? Tell us what's different. You know, being nice, I think, is about not making waves and, and making people think you're, you are, uh, you know, you're so nice. You're making people like you, approve of you, keeping things smooth. Whereas sometimes the kindest thing to do is to remove yourself from a situation. Sometimes the kindest thing to do is to tell a truth that might not be pleasant in the moment, but that can lead to true growth. Um, And that doesn't mean that you just go around blurting out unkind truths to people if they're not necessary. But I really learned the difference between being nice and being kind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's important. I know you have a song, Make Room for Grace. Would that one be a good one to hear right now? It relates to this? I would love that. You know, that, that is, this is my surrender song. And I say over and over in two recovery groups that if I had gotten the things that I wished for, that I planned for, that I ordered from God in my order, you know, blanks, um, I would have sold myself short. And that when I let go and made room for grace in my life is when the true riches came. All right, that's wonderful. So we're going to hear Make Room for Grace by my guest, Melinda Wood Allen. I used to think I had to have my own way, could do everything all on my own. Living my life like a one-woman play, feeling confused and alone. Still I held on tight to the life that I knew till it wasn't the life I remembered finally admitting I hadn't a clue I opened my arms in
without making demands, asking for help when I need it, being happy, just doing the best that I can, and when I stumble, I won't be defeated. That was I Make Room for Grace by my guest, Melinda Wood Allen, and also her co-writer, Sue Riley, and performed by my guest, Melinda Wood Allen. So, Melinda, when I'm listening to that, I, I really love that, and I just have to ask you this question. What did you get because you did make room for grace that you wouldn't have if you'd written out the, okay, God, this is my list here? Ah, uh, yes. Um you know, I would have stayed in my first marriage, which was a very unhappy one. Uh, you know, my, my prayer was if he would just behave a little better toward me and what ended up happening, or even in my second marriage, if he would just act a little bit, if I could just, all I wanted was a tiny little bit. And in recovery, what I've got is a relationship of, of equals who can talk recovery talk with each other, who can respect each other, who can pray together, who we know we're actually really there for each other and can rely on each other. And we get to share our spirituality, which is, to me, way more intimate than just sharing sexuality and Mm -hmm. day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things. The other thing is that I would be a singer, I'm sure, because that's what I always wanted to do, but no way would I I have made my my way to this 
place in music to be able to be to use music as a ministry to try to um, to help change people's lives. I would never. Uh, that's just not a direction I even looked in. I'd be on. I'd be on a stage somewhere doing musical theater, which is beautiful in itself. But um, the other thing that it brought me was the courage to create. Um, I did not write music until I had been in recovery for a little while because, frankly, I just didn't have the courage to put myself out there to that degree. So the fact that I've become a songwriter and even an award-winning songwriter is directly attributable to my recovery, that I'm allowed to let more of myself in my life, that I'm living a fuller life than I would have otherwise. Mm-hmm. And you've also, as I just mentioned a little earlier, you also said yes to uh, becoming a, an ordained minister, and you've been going through an educational process. Tell us about that. Well, I'm at One Spirit Interfaith Seminary, um, which is in New York City, and I have, um, I've had the most amazing experience there. I haven't had one moment of... Well, it's just every moment I felt so fulfilled and like I'm in the right place and I've been guided to the right place and um, going through a process of not just learning about religion or even other religions, but truly experiencing, having a true experience of the divine using the practices of many, many different religions and coming to a visceral understanding that we are one, that that's not just um, a platitude, that there is a oneness and this is it. We are that. And to have my heart and my soul and my mind filled to that degree with that knowing and that truth at a gut and soul level allows me, hopefully will allow me to go out and um, and bring that ministry to places where people might not find it otherwise. I actually love to minister to people who don't believe in God because I believe that people who don't believe in God do God's work every day because really the work of God is love. And so wherever I go that I minister and teach love, then I am bringing God into that place regardless of what its name is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm thinking what a contrast that is uh, to what you had told us earlier today about your growing up where everything was so closed down and so rigid in, in religion to this. Wow, this must be the, your sole aspiration to really move into this kind of openness. Yes, absolutely. And it has taken a great deal of courage. Um, it's taken a great deal of courage to climb out of that box because for many years I just wanted to keep building a bigger box. <laughs> Uh-huh. And the last couple of years, I'm truly getting the fact that, you know, that it, it isn't a bigger box, that, that all possibilities exist in God, and that all possibilities exist because of the energy of love, which is more powerful than anything else, and which can do all things, can change anything, can overcome anything. That is absolutely wonderful. Well, Melinda, I want to thank you for being my guest today, and thank you for making that connection with your vitality, for practicing your spiritual path, your recovery path, and for the wisdom that you bring and the miracles 
in uh, relationship. Well, thank you so much, Reverend Anna. I so appreciate your asking me, and it's been a very enjoyable hour spent with you. That's wonderful, and thanks for your music, and I will have you back on. And uh, listeners, thanks for being with us today. Again, if you'd like to learn more about Melinda and her work, you can go to her website, melindawoodallen.com. So um, thank you all for being here with us today on Spirit of Recovery, and have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next week. God bless. There's a lesson I have in mind Reach out to someone who needs you Leave your troubles behind You can't help but feel the love There's magic in your good deeds So step on up and get your hands dirty Go out and plant you some seeds There's no Listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD, and her guests. 
Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.